0: Love that lead-in. No pressure at all. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. So great to see you guys. I met a first-timer today and a third-timer today, and we had a number of people go to step one. We just love that God is adding people. You belong here at Harvest. If you're online today visiting uh you're so welcome we actually don't like use. i'm not supposed to use that word because we don't want you to visit the connotation is that you come once and don't come back we want you to belong and be a part here at harvest there's a seat and a place for you if you're online we love that you do it that way and we do look forward to the day we can see you uh in the room hey just before i kind of jump in this morning. I just felt to pray um specifically for a need that you might have. I feel like it might be more than one person. um, That you're facing some decisions right now and you're just it's a focal point. I, I mean I don't mean whether they get the dove soap or the um you know the Irish Spring. I don't mean that decision. But just some decisions in your life that are weighing on you, um, and you have some concern and maybe even anxiety about making a wrong decision. Could I see your hand if that's you this morning? Is that you? All right. Okay. Good. Um, Let's pray. With your heads bowed, I want you just, this was the image that God gave me. I saw uh, the little game uh, Kerplunk, and I play it with my grandkids. And if you've never played Kerplunk, there's a, a tower with marbles in it and uh, a bunch of sticks that hold the marbles up. And um, it's one of those games that you're afraid kind of to play because if you pull the wrong one, you lose all your marbles. First... First, I want to assure you this morning: you're not going to lose your marbles, all right? Um, I know it feels this is weighing on you. You feel like you're going to lose all your marbles. Number: you're not going to do that. Number two is you trust God with your decision today. Give this decision. Say, Lord, I trust you. You're going to tell me which one to pull. Because here's the good news: He told me to tell you. He's put His hand underneath all of the marbles. You're not going to lose anything. You're not gonna. It's not going to be catastrophic if you make the wrong decision. He's walking with you. He's speaking to you. Even this morning, he paused this service to tell you that you're that important. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you begin to speak right now. And I just want to pause. I want, if you're making a decision, you take a deep breath. Take your hand off all of the straws in your complunk life and say, God, I trust you. Just whisper that to him right now. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And Lord, I pray now that you would just release, perhaps in this moment, perhaps during this message, or Lord, in the quietness as you speak to us, and you do, that this decision will be made, and the story will be, I sustained and kept all. I didn't lose anything. This was a good decision. Father, we pray that now. In Jesus' name. And all the decision makers said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. That I just felt to do that. Hey, a um, uh, little behind the curtain on pastor stuff. So this is a long weekend. And uh, we've been here now uh, going we've begun our 20th year. We completed 19 years here as we, Christine and I are the founding pastors of Harvest Christian Fellowship. And we just love this journey. And, and you learn some rhythms and, and, uh, uh, throughout the summer months when, uh, people are on vacation. Uh, sometimes pastors get a little insecure about, you know, people have laughed. They're not coming back. And, uh, and so then we joke about it. And so pastor, I told pastor James, I would tease him today. He's not watching. Um, but, uh, I warned him. I just texted him uh, that I was doing this. Oh, he just texted me back, LOL. I said, that's so funny. I am so telling on you. So he's been texting this morning about... You know that it's a long weekend, and nobody's going to show up for church this morning. And uh, so they're beginning. I text him, and I said, "Can you check at motion because I think some Harvest people might be there because you know is it indicative of this weekend that we have some empty chairs?" And uh, and so he said, uh, "No, actually," he said, "I thought they were there." He said, "I'm on my way because nobody's showing up here. Can I come to church there this morning?" And I said, uh, that might not be a good idea. And he said, oh, good. He said, his wife's name is Sarah. He said, at least Sarah came, and she so needs the message this morning. <laughs> I just love his sense of humor. <laughs> I learned a long time ago not to do that to my wife. Anyway. <laughs> Something else I wanted to tell you. No, I forgot. (laughs) Oh man! But let's jump in. Um, Acts two forty four. Now all who believed were together. Say together, together. Together. Uh, Let's read the verse together. (laughs) Now all who. Let's do it all together. Now all who believed were together. Last week we looked at the birthday of the church in Acts two forty four. And uh, we realized that there was a, uh, a simplistic rhythm about the, the New Testament church and that they made decisions uh, to live their life in a way that would accommodate the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, among them, they would not attend church. They would be the church. I'll make that statement a lot. It's not semantics. It really is. Uh, there's a, there's a, a divine genius in, in the order of those words. They gave themselves to a simple rhythm of the apostles' teaching um, I'm not sure how I'll circle around to that, but I want to and talk about um, things like the Apostles' Creed, uh, things that uh, in the body of Christ generally, universally, uh, there are things in what we call Orthodox Christianity. Um, and, uh, you know, how do we know that Harvest is a good church and we believe the Bible? Um, because we hold to the Apostles' teaching, apostolic teaching both in the New Testament and there's an ongoing, not an addition to revelation, but an understanding um, and application of fellowship was the second thing they gave themselves to, hanging out in each other's houses and doing life. We emphasized that in August and name tag Sunday and just very, very small ways. Next week, our launch Sunday, please plan to bring somebody. And uh, stay after for food. Uh, we're thankful for the Mexicans that are amongst us here at Harvest. And influence, they're influencing us. So it's Fiesta Sunday. Um, and uh, we'll have tacos and all kinds of great things. The breaking of bread communion, which we did last week. Do this in remembrance. It's a mnemonic aid to the church not to time out, not to get stale, not to just go through the motions of coming for services week after week, but realizing that God has a strategy and a plan for every region that he puts a local church in, that they have a mandate for that region. They're to fulfill that. As long as we're breathing air and we're not dead, there's work to do. We break bread to remember, to proclaim the Lord's death. Until when? Until he... Until he comes back or you and I, uh, we don't do it anymore if we die. And so then we can talk about heaven and the great gift of eternal life that kicks in after this life. But we live in eternal life today, the zoe of God and then of prayer. So we kind of focused on God's eternal plan called the church. He didn't, he didn't kind of get halfway through the Bible and go, oh, the Jewish nation didn't get it. Mm, what are we going to do? I know we'll have church for a while um, and then um, we'll we'll do something after that. We'll get all the church off the planet and, and, uh, and then we'll do some more work on the, some real work on the earth. And, and that idea is just not scriptural. Say eternal plan. It's the eternal plan, which means it had no beginning and no end. It's the eternal plan. So in the heart of God, the church has always been his plan. And so as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, he said it to the children of of Israel. For you are a holy people to the Lord, which simply means they were set apart. They're special. Um, As we read the Old Testament, we know they're not holy in the sense of being sinless, (laughs) like God. Um, this, this, This word means just separate. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. So the heart of God to have his family. He would be father and there would be a family on the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than all the other people. So he said, I didn't do it because you had your act together. (laughs) Aren't you glad about that? I didn't choose you because you had your act together, and you somehow pulled off. You became this great nation. Um, I'm paraphrasing. His love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than the other people, because you were the least. (laughs) You had at least together. I love that he chooses us when we feel like we have at least together. Come on, somebody. But because the Lord loves you, because he would keep his oath, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We're going to go back and look at, again, we looked at the Passover. We're going to look at some principles of being together. We've got to learn from them uh, because they. it's written, the Bible says, for us to learn We'll pop this scripture in the New Testament. First Peter says the same thing uh, to us as New Testament believers. And now that we understand uh, what some of these mean because of the Christ event of the cross, we call it Easter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you might, like we did this morning, proclaim the praises of him who called you not out of Egypt, but out of the darkness of sin. Out of the darkness of separation from God, into his marvelous light of being able to see with the eyes of his love, a plan that he has for you and for me and for his church, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but you've now obtained his mercy. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, as we just kind of circle back at Harvest, what does it mean to be together as we launch this fall? Lord, thank you for a people here that understand community, but we can do better. And Lord, we want to do better, not just for our sakes, but for the sake of what community does. You said they will know you, me, by your love. And so, Lord, as we love you well and love each other well, imperfectly, you love us perfectly, but in your loving us perfectly as we intentionally live to love one another. Lord, that our together would be stronger. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said. So the name of the series is Together. (laughs) We're getting ready as I just prayed for our our fall launch, and there's been some things that have just kind of emphasized this theme. And I want to look at two basic components of what happened when God brought uh, his chosen people. Uh, he called them the Jewish people, and then um, really it was symbolic, um, and its understanding was for the whole world as we come into the New Testament understand these things. But he used his people, a wonderful, beautiful uh, people, um, and Christian orthodoxy is built upon uh, their experience as we read it in the, in the Old Testament. And so they had to learn some things to go from being a crowd of slaves to becoming a congregation, to become God's people. Just before I, I kind of jump into that and that point out that we've got to learn what they learn, I mentioned last week about North American individualism and how North American individualism, specifically when it comes to church, works. it's counterintuitive and it works against um, what God intends when he talks about communities of faith, local churches that are, that are joined together. And I explained to you that for, for many, the idea of church is we attend church. So there's me and Jesus, my individual. And then I bring that with all the other me and Jesus people. And so the me is exalted above the we. And that you can't. Do that biblically, and so as North Americans we're fight, we'll always be fighting against that, whereas in third world countries, we love Cuba, and I'm hoping to get back to Cuba soon so we can catch up and the leaders there are reaching out to me in texts and emails and kind of giving updates. They're already, the Latinos are such uh, communal people. They just, if you go into their villages, they're already so connected. They don't have the back porch, front porch like we do. Um, they just live together. And if you're short on rice today, your neighbor has a little extra and we share. And so, so the context, they already kind of understand that. And when you add um, the message of the gospel, the good news in Christ, the churches grow very, very quickly. Because they already have what we, we think is the hard part. They already have that down. And so in North America, we don't just go to church. We're making this decision. We want to be the church because when we do that, the, um, the, the New Testament churches, we read about in Acts. There's a power. There's a life of the Holy Spirit. There are things happening that, that are amazing and that we want to see those things as God's bringing his plan together in our region. So <laughs> when I say that and I talk about together, if you're new or you've been around for a while, one of the fears when you hear together is the opposite extreme, and I just want to say this, and I think it's important, of conformity. And so some churches will go to great lengths to bring conformity, which is not unity and love. Conformity is different. A conformity, and, it, and in Christendom, unfortunately, it becomes very, 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 in some cases, narrow. And so um, that conformity is we will all think the same, vote the same, be the same, and the sameness under the banner of Christianity, this conformity is, is, is contrived and forced. Because we get a little uneasy sometimes when people have different ideas about life. Now, Apostles' teaching, I'm not talking about the fundamentals of the gospel. I'm talking about just, we live life differently, don't we? Hello? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. And we vote differently too, right? And we've talked about that, especially during the pandemic, because a lot of that's been, been kind of uh, accentuated in, 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 or magnified. I was on a social media post a couple of weeks ago, and there was a, a pastor that was posting uh, churches that were closing because they weren't sustainable. And, uh, and, and there was different comments, and uh, one of the comments was a really cool thing that's happening is churches that, for whatever reason, weren't sustainable. They have these beautiful buildings and communities, and they're handing them over to younger congregations that are sustainable and growing and full of life, and that can't afford a building, um, and give them their building and say, "Would you take what we, you know, built years ago? And would you, would you, could you, could you use our church?" <laughs> and that's exciting, and those stories are being being told. I mean, that's our story here at Harvest. And uh, and it's just, it's amazing. But there was a troll that was on the site uh, looking for an opportunity. And he made the comment that the churches that had closed, the reason they had closed is because they weren't a part of the one true church. Then that God was judging them. And then a couple naive people that don't understand this mindset that as soon as you see the phrase, you know, the one true church, um, as opposed to all the false churches that are around here, um, because they don't preach the same. They don't teach the same. They don't do church the way we do church at our church. It's the true church. And, and so some naive people said, oh, no, you don't understand. Um, our church, a Pentecostal church, you know, we, we did this because, and he goes, oh, you're a Pentecostal? You're not the true church. because you believe this, this, and this. <laughs> and I'm reading, I kind of chuckled, and I thought, because this is, this is a great illustration of conformity because there's not another, I'm, I'm, I'm supposing that his church is him, because there's not another human being that could conform and be him, and that's what he wants. And so conformity is not together. Um, unity is when we bring diversity together, and we love each other, and we learn to get along with the differences. You tracking with me? And people that kind of take things out of ap- the, ap- the teaching of the apostles, and there are things, there are principles and applications, but they apply scripture to things that are changing in our society and, and, and apply it to just kind of pull a scripture out and say, okay, now by conviction, we're going to believe this about the government. And I'm picking on government just because it's kind of in the forefront right now. Um, I have a friend, a pastor friend, um, that went through something tr- uh, uh, tragic, I think, in, during, during COVID. And that was half of his church got up and walked out, not literally in a service, but uh, half the church left and went to a church down the street. The church down the street, the pastor there, was using um, the authority that God gave him to teach the word and the apostles' teaching to sidetrack into politics and personal opinion. And it sounded good, and it sounded almost anointed. It sounded like great. It was very convincing because under the name of God, we were going we're gonna to elevate some things higher, I believe, and scripturally, higher than they should have been. And so as people were listening to that, they were going, we're going down to that church because he's preaching the truth. And off they went and, and pulled the arms and legs off of a local church, the body of Christ. So, what's dangerously, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, what's dangerously prevalent right now in the world, not just, and we're, we're not of the world, but we're in it and we're, we're influenced by it. What's dangerously prevalent right now, um, I don't want to be overdramatic, but, but the civil war in the United States happened because people polarized around po- political um, political issues, and hey, you know, slavery, and it's, it's horrible, and I'm not speaking to the issues. I'm speaking that families killed each other instead of talking through how we're going to resolve differences. And the Civil War was one of the greatest bloodsheds of America, and it really is a blight on, I think, their history. I, I would say that. I, I think there might be better ways to deal with things. Am I talking to the right people? Are we tracking? I, like, that, I'm not being weird right now, right? All right, all right. I just want to know you're there. So so what happened is there's a polarization so that when you don't believe, the first step was, when you don't believe what I believe, you are my enemy. And that's what's happening right now. Lines are being drawn. And the story's being told all over of families, dads and moms and and brothers and sisters are not talking to each other because they took a different stand Took a different stand about issues relating to our what's happening in our world, and, and so it's not now that you're different. I still love you, and I respect your differences. It's no, you're different now. You're my enemy, and now we treat each other adversarially. You see how subtly that happens, and we're, I mean we're living right now in a climate that that is prevalent, and that is that that's going to be a struggle moving forward, and it has um, it has. For some churches already. And this story is being told over, over and over. This week, Christine and I dropped our almost 19 year old Seth off at Carlton. And uh, so he took a year off to get some finances. We're so proud of him. Yeah, go ahead and shout out for Seth. He serves here because I made him. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, Seth is a, a really bright, uh, almost 19-year-old, and um, he's really up on, on all things uh, current events and has some hugely strong opinions about those, which are different than my hugely strong opinions about those. <laughs> We've had some great conversations, and uh, here's the deal, though. We, we agree that, that we're father and son first, and that our bond is not in the agreement Of those things, it's in the agreement that I'm going to love you unconditionally because you're my son. I don't want to oversimplify that, but you get there's an order there, right? Okay. And we're talking about together. Let's go back to my pastor friend. So half of the Christ followers who should have known better get up and leave because they elevated. They said we had a conviction. The government shouldn't be doing the things it's doing. This is tyranny. Someone needs to fight this. Okay. But is fighting that, do you elevate? I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm saying, okay, so we, we have this issue. We have this situation. So do we then rip the, bot, the, the family apart, and you go down where you're hearing something that you agree with so that you don't have to deal with the disagreement? Because it's easier there, and we're just going to say, but it's all things Christian, and it's all things God, and he's preaching the truth. Really? Or is it just you can't figure out how to deal and you elevate your conviction over and above God's? He said, I want you to learn to get along. How are we doing? Okay, that's just my intro. Here we go. All right. (laughs) I'm not saying any of this is easy, by the way. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We'll talk about that. I think there are irreducibles of the gospel. I think we should teach truth. (laughs) Not just what we feel like teaching, but the truth of the word. But what is that? And how do we know what that is? In the fellowship, we get along, we hang out, we do small group, breaking of bread. We're we're remembering that there's a work to do at the church. We're here for a reason um, and in verse. So we go back to Acts chapter Excuse me, we go back to Exodus, and the Exodus, God um, gets them ready. The Passover, they've gone over the Red Sea. God made a way where there was no other way for salvation as he did. These are all things that we can relate with as we understand the Christ event. And, uh, and so now he says, I'm going to teach you, uh, as you're in the wilderness, where there is nothing to eat, nothing to drink, <laughs> and it's tough and hard, I'm going to teach you to rely on me for your life. Say life symbolized in the bread, manna. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But it's, we're going to open this up. I need you to think, we often just think of, you know, hey, the bread from heaven. Jesus said he's the bread from heaven. We should go out every morning, do devotions, and eat the bread of heaven, and that's really great. No, no, it's so much more than that. It's your life. Say life. Watch this. So um, the Lord says to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. And the people should go out and gather a certain quota, a certain amount, every day. Say certain amount. It's important. That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Whether they will live life on my terms or not. Now let me, let me set this up so you understand. Because I've heard people you know, going through a really tough time. And they're going, Pastor, I pray for me. God's testing me. I'm in the test of God right now life sucks. It's hard. It's hard. Life sucks. It's hard. It's God's test. He's testing me. You know how God does that? Because everything, everything, all the marbles fall out, and he just has to teach me. Teach. He's testing and teaching me. You know how that goes, Pastor? I'm like, no, I don't, (laughs) thankfully. What does it mean when God, what is is God saying here? What does it mean if God's testing us? The the perfect analogy to understand his Hebrew word is this. I want you to imagine that it's back in the day, and you, uh, all, you, do, you, you, you live your life by having a storefront mom-and-pop business downtown in Cornwall. And when you're all done at the end of the day or the end of the weekend, and you go home to celebrate some time off, you lock up the door. Say, lock it up. To protect what you're building in your business, your life, it's protected. It's protected. Today, we have alarm systems. Um, and... Uh, Uh, It would work similarly to the way it worked back in the day. But back in the day, it wasn't an alarm system. There would be a police officer or a security that his part of his job in walking the beat would go and he would test your door to see if it was unlocked. Not because he wants to go in and steal your stuff or make your life miserable. Because he's for you. Say for me. God is for me, not against me. When God is testing this word, it means he's going, it's not for him, he knows. It's for you, he loves you, and he's turning the the door, the lock on the door of your life, the entrances of your life, your way of thinking, the way of your living, and he's saying, you are vulnerable to attack. He calls us up by the Holy Spirit, you are vulnerable to attack. This area of your life is wide open and unlocked, Could you come and lock it up? And a security guard back in the day, the alarm, the alarm company today will call you and say, "We have detected motion. We've, you know, can you go down and investigate the area of your building, your business, your life that is open to, um, susceptible to the enemy." Whereas the devil, who rob, kills, and destroys, is not going to tell you he's in your life because he found an open door. Are we tracking on what it means when God says, I will test them? It's a good thing. See, it's a good thing. Not a, not a well, I'm just going to test you. Oh, I'll just find out. if I don't even think you're going to pass because I am God and I know you're going to mess up. I'll give you the test anyway. No, some of you were thinking that. All right. Number one that we're going to learn, the first door, major door of our life, we've got to get it right. Number one, learning to live our life on God's terms. Learning to live our life on God's terms. They'd always been slaves. They'd learned to live as slaves. There was no freedom whatsoever. They had no identity, slave number six, five, four, three, whatever. They had no dreams, no destiny, no sense of tomorrow, no sense that anything's going to change. They were slaves, generations of slaves. The idea of trusting God, but they needed to learn. Because in Egypt, if you got out of line, there was a whip. that would snap on your back so fast, or snap you into line, and you would act like a slave because you were a slave. I got good news this morning. The Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians said that, um, that, that, that this freedom, he who the Son sets free is what? What? Free indeed, when we became Christ followers, we did not hand the whip to God. We didn't take it from Satan, a a, a taskmaster, didn't care about you, wants to rob, kill, destroy your life, and hand it over to God, who's just a little bit more benevolent, but still going to snap it and cause you to live a certain way. There's no whip. There's no whip. But in the freedom of our life, there are measurements and parameters and boundaries to learn how to live because we don't know how to live in freedom. Living on God's terms means that we'll learn to live in the blessing and the freedom of his life in us and with us. Very different than how Satan treated us. Very different to live a life in measure. Say measure. All right, so they were to go out and collect bread food, basic, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us this day our, which, yes, can be your sandwich from Subway, and we want to depend on God. I understand that, but we're talking about do we trust God with our life? Do we live, are we living our life on his terms? So this is what he's teaching. So he said, so I want you to go out and I want you to gather, and you're gonna take your measuring bowl, which they didn't have graduations on them, but they had different size bowls, and one was called an omer. Say omer. And all the people who have omers as a retirement plan said, amen, we love our omers. I don't have omers, but I know some of you do, and they're doing very well. It's awesome. Not that omer, this omer. It's about two liters. And you're to take your bowl out, and so they go out on the first morning, and there's white stuff all over the ground, God's provision, and they went, manna, which is a Hebrew word for, what is it? (laughs) I don't know what it tastes like. I don't don't know. A texture. I don't know. I don't know. What is it? Manna. And they named it. What is it? And they gathered it up, put it in their, and so God said, use, use an omer. And, uh, you know, use an omer for, you know, if you got five in your house, then, then you use, you know, and it was about, about an omer. And he said, you know, because the kids, the kids might not eat all theirs. And, uh, well, dad will. You know, dad's going to fit it. But you're not going to eat all your fries? Your, so pass your, here, pass it over to me. And so dad might eat a little more. Kids might eat a little less. But this is, this is the men, the, the omer. Say omer. And so they went out, and it tasted good. It tasted like honey, and tasted good. It, filled, it was satisfying. And, uh, and, and so you're to take. And God said, the really great thing about this he said, tomorrow, there'll be more. Tomorrow, there'll be more. Tomorrow, there'll be more. You know the scripture that Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough stuff of its own. What are you worried about tomorrow for? What was he saying? Tomorrow, there will be more. Say tomorrow. tomorrow. There will be. More. What did he mean? Well, he told them, don't collect any extra. Don't collect any extra. Because he knew that in the heart of humanity is this, well, I'm not sure there's going to be. And I got my hands on some manna right now. Well, what if there isn't some tomorrow? What if there isn't life tomorrow? What if there isn't a relationship for me tomorrow? What if there isn't whatever tomorrow? And so in their humanity, they took more than an omer, and they stashed it away, just in case. Learning to live life on God's terms. And this is a tough one. Because fear and doubt about living on God's terms is, what if God rips me off? What if God doesn't come through tomorrow? What if I don't like the man of tomorrow? Or whatever. They were slaves. They were learning to live together. And the first step was learning to live on God's terms. And so they took more than their omer. But some of them did not listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then, say by then. By then. It was full of maggots. Had a terrible smell. And Moses was angry. Isn't this the crux of it? Isn't this you and I learning to live on God's terms? Don't we do this? Don't we take more than our omer? One of the most and I'll just, again, reach for high-level stuff that's probably relatable, we can understand. But, you know, our sexuality is such an amazing gift that God's given us. And, and God knows how powerful that is and how wonderful that is. And he knows that it really belongs in the, in the confines and in, in the context of a one-man-and-one-woman commitment. He knows that. He designed it that way. He's the designer. And the expression really it's that's where it's blessed that's where that's where it really can take on a life in more ways than one (laughs) some of you'll get that um and so and so what happens is well, pastor i'm lonely and i really want someone to spend the rest of my life with yeah I, i understand that need go out and gather according to the need I I understand that need and God has a plan for you. And if you'll do this, if you'll do this according to God's plan, it'll be awesome. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Um and we take more than our Omer. And taking more of our Omer, like so people, you ah know, oh, you 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 took sex into your own hands and you had premarital sex or, you're, you know, you're married and you went outside the marriage to have sex or whatever we might pull down. And this, this was, I took more than my Omer. And, and, uh, and so do we focus on, what do we focus on here? What, what's really the problem? The problem is that's a symptom of something deeper. And the something deeper is we're still learning how to live our life on God's terms. And the maggots and the smell is not... And and, Yeah, come on. We've experienced the maggots and the smell. Isn't because God's going, I knew you wouldn't pass the test. I knew it. You're getting maggots and smell. No, it's what we took God's provision. We took God's provision that is to be lived on his terms. And we brought it into an atmosphere. And we separated it from God and said, no, no, no. I'm going to do this on my terms. Yeah, but that—that that will bring—that will bring maggots and, and and stink. I don't know if I can trust God. I know what, what's the alternative. <laughs> and as we learn, and those of us have been walking as Christ followers, we begin to learn to live life on God's terms, not because he's going to whip us, but because there's a promised land that we're heading to. And it's not heaven. It's not like It is a life of victory. It is a life to overcome the enemy. It is a life of provision. It is a life of living in stride, and our life with God, and the wilderness, and learning these, you know, it can be hard, yes. It's not supposed to, they, it took them 40 years. It was an 11-mile trip on the front end of a journey. Learning to live life on God's terms. Our finances. So many things that we're wondering, why is, it, why is it stinky and wormy? Why is it not being blessed the way God said it would be? Interesting thing is that God said, by the way, you need to gather it before the noon sun because it melts in the sun. I love this thought because I do this. I wait until the heat of the day of my life. Sometimes, like the Kerplunk analogy, you know, it's like all crashing in, and I go running out to God to get His provision in the heat of the day. And we live this cycle. It's just, it's, it's there. We get it, but it's just about melted. I got some. God wants us to begin prioritizing life on his terms. Not when the heat of the day is melting God's provision, but when you are living in the beauty of it and the dependence of it. That's step one. They're playing music behind me, which means, Pastor, you've got to finish now. But I want to give you number two because I'm the pastor. Number two <laughs> was to learn to live together. Another way to say that is we're dependent on God and we're interdependent on each other. You have to understand that conservatively, the scholars say there was one and a half million of them. And some say there were like six million and five million or something, but somewhere in between. Let's just say there's two million people living in tents. God organized, we're going to look at this next week, about our relationships. And God organized them. We're not going to be in relationship with everybody. They were a nation. They had tribes. They had clans and they had families. And so you would, you would be encamped with some people right next to you. Like, like, I can hear you in there. Can I keep it down? I can hear you. <laughs> Say together. together. It was close together. Some of them didn't listen and kept it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots, had a terrible smell. Moses was angry. Why was Moses angry? Because they got it wrong. I'm sure that was part of it. But it really stunk. <laughs> there was a lot of smell. And there's maggots everywhere, and our tents are on top. It might be like three miles that way to get to the garbage dump. I I, I gotta clean this up. I gotta clean this up. We'll just hide it. I just shh shh. We're going to church in the morning. Shh. Just bury it. I took two. I took more than my omer this week. I just bury it. You can't. Those worms are crawling everywhere. You can't hide it. We're not supposed to hide it. And the smell of taking more than our omer affects those that are closest to us. Our families. Our marriages. And our family of God. And... James has this beautiful verse. He said, therefore confess your sins, which really it's false is a better word where we're taking more than our omer. And I don't, don't misunderstand. We, we hurt the heart of God. We, we can sin against God, but Jesus took care of that on the cross. Say forgiveness. Say it again. And so God forgives sin. I don't forgive your sin. You don't forgive my sin. God forgives sin. But James said, if you confess or you talk about your smells... And your maggots, you can pray for each other and you'll be healed. Forgiveness is from God, healing comes from the body. Last week I dropped uh, something and I said, Some of you are gonna like this. I said, salvation is in the house. Together in the house. Salvation is together in the house. Remember the judgment thing and the staying in the blood on the remember? Some of you go, does that mean if you don't go to church, you go to hell, Pastor? No, it means you won't find close enough relationships because it'll be just you. Posting on the internet going, you're not the one true church. I don't know if there is a one true church. Let's just get together, figure this thing out. Build some relationships so that when my life is smelling, don't get this wrong, oh, wow, whoo, wow, you smell. We don't. We smell really good over in our tent. But man, your tent stinks. No, it's our tent. And when we pray for each other, the spirit of that is... Hey, been there, done that. And I know it's hard to trust God with this area of our life. But let's talk about it in a small group. And our small group leader, man, they've been down this road. They've been down, they, they know the way. They know the way. And they've been, they've been, they've been here. And they're gonna, let's just talk about it. And to find somebody in a relationship that's not judging you for the smell and the maggots, but is saying, I know a way to deal with the root issue. Not the commitment of a sin, but why we do that. Why we take more than our Omer? Why do we do that? Because we haven't learned about how beautiful he is. How awesome he is. How incredible loving he is. And he doesn't hold a whip in his hand. He extends love. He says, you are my chosen people. But I got a plan for you. You've got to learn this before you can get there. Trust me if you live life on my terms, it's a glorious, glorious provision. He's not withholding because that wouldn't be freedom. It's freedom, therefore you get to choose. And so in this life of journeying together, let's believe for a promised land that as harvests as we choose to live intentionally and decide to be the church. Decide to be the church. And if someone is struggling They're living amongst the smell and the maggots of taking more than their omer. That we love them and accept them and say, I know a way to deal with that. It's called trusting Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. My heart hurts when I think about religious systems that have forced people To bury their stuff, put a smile on their face, and pretend. God hates it, and it makes him angry because there's a way of freedom. There really is. It's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey in learning together and being together, and there's a power. There's a salvation. There's a healing of being together. At Harvest, we say it this way. It's a shame-off environment. But we need to deal and learn to live and measure. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus with your life, you've never crossed the Red Sea, you've never said, I want your salvation, I want to live God with you on your terms. You realize today that you're under, the Bible says, we're separated from God in the tyranny of sin. We can't help but sin. If you've never given your life to Jesus but today you're hearing that he loves you in fact this is your day that he's inviting you to be a part of his family maybe you've been attending for some time or maybe you're a first timer today it doesn't matter if you're here today you say I want to, I want I want to receive Jesus into my life forgive my sin and begin the journey of his life in me if that's you I'd like you, as every head's bowed and eyes closed, just slip your hand up so I can see it. I'll say, I see you, and then you can put it down. I want to lead you in a prayer. Is there anyone this morning? Thank you. Is there anyone else today? Just raise your hand. Just glancing. Just give me a second to look. Hold your hand up and keep it up if you did. If you're online today, the way you can hold your hand up is just text in the box, I'm making a decision today. Many have done it online over these months. Harvest, would you pray this prayer with me? And if you raised your hand today, you're praying this prayer perhaps for the first time. Dear Jesus, thank you. Let's all pray this together. Thank you that you love me. I invite you in my life. Forgive my sin. I can't wait to begin a journey with you. I believe if you prayed that prayer from your heart for the first time, you're born again. Let's just thank, give God thanks and encourage those people that are making that decision for the first time. Would you stand with me this morning? I know in some ways a sobering word of reflection. If you're here today and you've been taking more than your Omer, just say to him, Lord, today I make a decision. I make a decision to trust you with my life, trust you with the area, that whatever area the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about. Don't take more than your Omer. It's wormy and it stinks. Come into the blessing of his provision for you. It's awesome. God bless you. Have an amazing week. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from there. I feel this rush deep in my chest. Your mercy is cold. as I am you both. It's so all that it brings So I run to the Father and Again and again and again and again Oh, oh again and again and again and again Fiesta. Love you guys.